Therapy Chat Podcast, episode 206. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan, and in this week's episode... You are going to hear an interview with Dr. Alyssa Berlin. Alyssa focuses on helping families prepare for a huge transition, which is becoming parents. So I know you're going to enjoy listening to what Alyssa has to say about that. So let's just dive right in. Therapy Chat Podcast wouldn't exist without the support of its listeners. If you'd like to become a member please go to patreon.com slash therapy chat. By making a $1 per month donation, you can help Therapy Chat keep going over the long haul. Thank you for your support. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. Today, I'm very excited to be talking with Dr. Alyssa Berlin. Alyssa, thanks so much for being my guest today. Oh, it's so my pleasure. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So let's just start off, if you will, by you telling our audience a little bit about yourself and your work. Sure, absolutely. So first and foremost, I am the proud mom of four wonderful kiddos, segueing into adolescence right now. So a a nice new experience, right? Life's all about transitions and adjustments. And I'm right there with you guys. (laughs) Um, You're in a big one. Yes, very much so. Although really loving it. Um, Hopefully we'll get back to that. I have the distinct pleasure of working with my husband. He and I have a holistic wellness center together in LA, predominantly focused on pregnancy and postpartum. My biggest passion is really helping women and couples and families navigate that transition to postpartum as smoothly as possible. You know, really giving them the tools during pregnancy to to just enjoy that next phase of life because it's challenging and we know that. So I, you know, I created a workshop and do education to really support that for couples. And then I do private practice working with couples and families, mostly again, pregnancy, postpartum. And in the past couple of years have added a lot of trauma-based work to my practice, 
trained in both somatic experiencing and EMDR because it's a big part of life. And I think that there's a lot of education that's needed of what is trauma and how to define it and to get a better sense of how it really does implicate in our normal day-to-day life, but doesn't get the attention it needs. And so we end up with a lot of stuff just stored in our system that we then experience as anxiety and depression and just deprive us of the joy and fun of life. And so if we can do things to give it back, especially around the time of having a baby, you know, I really try to do that. That's awesome. And, you know, I think one thing is commonly missing from therapists who are working with perinatal mental health. A lot of times they don't include trauma in in their work. So it's kind of like there's a missing piece because the way I see it from my experience as a trauma therapist, so many people who have experienced trauma in childhood or young adulthood and then become parents, it gets activated again. You know, birth can be very, even if birth, the birth is not a traumatic birth per se, it can be very traumatic for someone who's, for example, a survivor of sexual violence. And I don't think people tell moms that, and then they feel different after birth. I think that can contribute to some of the mental health issues that arise during the postpartum period for a lot of, a lot of people, men and women, you know, regardless of gender or sexual identity, the, the period can activate all of our attachment and, and trauma wounds, I think. I couldn't agree more. And it's very interesting because in the workshops that I teach and in the education, you know, that I like to do with people, I'll often default to the analogy of having a baby just shines a spotlight on any of the relative cracks or bumps and bruises that have existed within our history and within our story. And it just brings them, you know, center stage. So here was something minor and all of a sudden it's this glaring matzo ball in front of me that I just can't sidestep or ignore anymore. And Did you so, say it was a glaring matzo ball? Absolutely. Just this giant <laughs> thing. I've never you heard know? a matzo ball used that way. <laughs> 100%. You know, just this glaring thing that's just like hanging over you. And it was like, I don't understand. I used to be able to sidestep it so well. What's yeah. going on? Yeah. And we just don't have the bandwidth in that postpartum period to employ a lot of the coping mechanisms that we used to do. And you're so right. You know, it's so interesting, but because when we talk about birth, trauma is in the eyes of the beholder. So it doesn't matter if I'm at your birth, right? And I said, wow, that looked amazing. And it was so beautiful. If you feel like it was traumatic, then it was. And I want to meet you where you are and help you process and deal with whatever it is that's bothering you. I feel like that's the other important piece for us to talk about, Laura, which is this notion of trauma comes in all shapes and sizes. And for me, you know, I think about trauma as any unmet need or want that is now stuck in your system, Mm. you know, energy that maybe your body mobilized, but never got to fully express because something thwarted that process. And so we want to go back and give you that time and space to be able to first and foremost voice and validate what that was for you to know that that's okay, right? That it's okay to talk about it, even if everyone else around you is looking like, really, that was hard for you? Yeah, it was. And that's really, at the end of the day, all that matters. It was hard for me. And then giving them a chance to really process through that so it doesn't have to linger in their nervous system or color or shade 
day-to-day life now, especially with that new baby. Yeah. So let's let's just kind of paint a picture about how you see the process of a couple going from being two people to having bringing a baby into their lives and so becoming a family of three. Sure. So I'm a big fan and a major proponent of preparation. I don't think we need to necessarily step into it to step out of it. If I could help you, you know, kind of bypass it, all the better. And so, you know, we're, we're so far from the days where we used to think there's no parenting manual. So you have no choice but to just jump in and hope for the best. We now have so much research and experts to support and to help guide us through that next path. And I feel like if you spend enough time with expectant families the way I do, the pitfalls of postpartum become pretty predictable. And so we can start actively creating a plan of how to navigate those things so that we can sidestep them and really get our best start, you know, in that in those early parenting days. A big part of that is the relationship between partners. It's one of the biggest risk factors in developing a postpartum illness or what we now call a perinatal mood or anxiety disorder, right? More accurately speaking. So if there are things that we can do during pregnancy to really help safeguard and strengthen the bonds between partners, we're already setting them up for a much better adjustment postpartum. I'm yet to meet the couple who goes into it saying, I really want to have a baby. And I'm totally fine sacrificing my romantic relationship with my partner in exchange for my relationship with baby. Yet so often that's what happens, right? Baby comes and we become so connected and obsessed and we get, you know, hardcore into that baby vortex, which is, you know, it's all we can see, that we lose sight of our partner and it's mindless. We don't mean to. And we kind of just assume, you know, they'll be there when when we kind of, you know, come out and get a sense of the bigger world. But very little in our life just stays static. And so if we're not actively and consciously working towards building something, building it up and improving it, the likelihood is, is that it's, it's probably going to fall down. I use an analogy oftentimes of an escalator. So when I'm trying to help couples understand dynamics of relationships and specifically the dynamic of their relationship going into postpartum, I say, well, relationships are like walking up a down escalator. If you think about it, Put in a little bit of effort and you'll make some headway. Put in a lot of effort, you'll make more headway. But the second you stop actively investing, the second you stop actively climbing that escalator, well, life is just naturally going to bring you down and farther apart. And having a baby speeds up that escalator. So we don't want to pull back on the efforts that we have towards our partner. We we really want to double our efforts to maintaining a strong connection with our partner. Mm, That makes sense. I think that people, I know for me, when I became a parent, which I was a young mom at 24, I, now I have a son who'll be turning 23 in December. And I'm like, Oh, my goodness. Wow. I, I really was young. But I was, it's like, you think, I don't know, for me, I thought about being pregnant and what it felt like being pregnant. And I was eager mm-hmm. to see my baby and to, you know, become a mom. But it was very much centered around like myself and how I 
how quick would I lose the baby weight? And, sure. you know, would I be a good mom and things like that, but not so much focused on really knowing what it was going to be like or what the baby would need or any, it was very like inwardly focused, you know? Sure. Which I venture to say, honestly, Laura, you were even ahead of the game that you were already having those thoughts and conversations with yourself. Because more times than not, when I encounter a pregnant couple, they can spout off every statistic about every new baby product out there. And they've thought about lots of nuances of perhaps birth. Yeah, it's like how you're going to decorate the nursery, how you want your birth plan to be, but (laughs) not much past that. Have you seen the the coolest new... Yeah. Have you seen the coolest new, you know, baby pump that's out there, which guys are some really cool ones out there, (laughs) but we don't go past that. And it's interesting because if you think about it, it's so strange. We make plans for every aspect of life. We'll plan to do lunch. We'll plan at our daily calendar. We'll plan at our weekly calendar. We'll look at it and replan it. We'll plan how to spend that little extra pocket money. Yet somehow when it comes to having a baby, we decide, eh, intuition, It'll be fine. We'll figure it as we go. Like, or my mom will help me. Or ideally, our mom will help us. And, you know, you started to talk about that before. You know, having a baby brings our relationship with our parents into focus in such a different way. It really causes us to reevaluate our relationship with our own parents because now we're seeing it from a different perspective. And for a lot of women in particular, if they don't have a mom, in the picture who can step up and help them the way that they would want, either because she's not physically available or maybe emotionally she's Mm -hmm. not available. It brings up so much tension that we just ignore and push through. Or we might have that expectation of, you know, my mom and I don't really get along and she really irritates me, but but I'm having a baby, so it's going to be fine. And it's like, no, things tend to get more vulnerable, not less after we've just given birth. So if it's a tumultuous relationship. Issues are going to get triggered. When the baby comes just like yours do. Oh, yes, that's right. (laughs) And again, education, mindfulness, awareness. We can talk about these things. And the more we can make it, you know, less taboo and give more permission where it's okay, the better off we are to not find ourselves in a situation. It's like, I didn't see this coming. And it's like, really? Yeah. You know, I guess with your perspective doing this all the time, it's clear that there are certain kind of normal, kind of predictable things that happen during the period when someone first has a baby. But I don't think culturally we talk about it other than, and I'll tell you again, just to show just how simple, simply I thought about things when I became a parent, it was like, oh, I don't want to have postpartum depression. I hope I don't have that. And that was kind of the extent of it. It wasn't like there was anything to do to, you know, other than make sure I sleep a lot so that I wouldn't get too exhausted and end up getting postpartum depression. It's like such a surface understanding, you know? Sure. And, but there's a lot to be said about that. You know, sleep is primal and we do want people to start to think about beforehand, you know, am I the kind of person that I'm okay without a whole lot of sleep? Am I the person that really falls apart if I don't get a lot of sleep? And again, if that's the case, what can we do? How can we plan to make sure that you're getting what you need? You talk about postpartum depression and you're in good company. And I imagine that a lot of the people who are listening to your podcast right now 
are saying, yes, totally. Like for sure. That's what I want to avoid also. I'm so glad that you brought that up for a number of reasons. One is because I really want to separate out this notion of postpartum from postpartum depression, right? First of all, you're in good company. No one wants to be depressed ever, right? especially at this phase of life. Because when depression or struggles hit at this phase of life, we, we personalize it and we feel like such a failure. Um, and I feel like depression is a big one that's up there. The other really hot topic I feel like is breastfeeding. I, I joke that my first book is going to be titled, You're More Than a Pair of Boobs, yeah. you know, because that notion of breastfeeding is not the be all and end all that defines you as a parent. It's one aspect of it. And if it's something you're interested in, and it works amazing. If it's something that either you're not interested in or you try and it doesn't work, that's okay. Because being a mom is so much more than that. But, but let's go back to postpartum. Postpartum is a word that is a time marker. Anyone who has a baby in utero is pregnant. And anyone who has just given birth to a baby is postpartum. It's just a natural, normal progression of that next phase in the having a baby process. But in our society, the word postpartum has become so synonymous with postpartum depression Mm -hmm. that it has eliminated the normal journey and adjustment and transition that comes after having just given birth, right? Every woman who had a baby is postpartum. And what does that mean? It means it's an adjustment. It's a transition. There are new roles. There are new experiences. There are new things to adjust to. And it takes time. Think back to, you know, your first day on a new job. Perhaps you moved into a new apartment or a new home or something like that. It doesn't feel like home automatically. It takes a lot of effort and a lot of trial and error. And we want to create that space for couples to also have that after they've had a baby. There's a brand new person in your life. You need time to get to know them. They need time to get to know you. Your body needs time to heal. Your relationship is impacted by this new person. And these things take time. So how would you characterize what's normal for people to expect during the postpartum period? Okay. So I, when I think about that postpartum period, I think about the good, the bad, and the real. There is nothing that's off limits. There are going to be moments of elation and love and excitement and a bond that you've never felt before. Incidentally, it doesn't always happen the second that baby's born. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it takes time. And again, we want to create that space that there's no one size fits all, but that people bond with their babies in their own time. And If it doesn't happen the second the baby's born, it's not a reflection of you as a mom. It just means you're on your journey and your journey may look different than somebody else's. That's helpful because, you know, I think, again, just going back to my own experience, it was like you have to, quote unquote, you have to bond with the baby. And if you didn't right then at birth, the baby screwed up for the rest of their life. (laughs) That was the way I understood it at 24. (laughs) Right. It's all downhill from here. (laughs) Yeah. And it's it's basically my responsibility to make sure that happens. (laughs) No pressure. (laughs) Right. No pressure at all. And and hospitals oftentimes, right, if you have your baby in a hospital, they add to it because they watch you and they let you know, well, I can't really release you until I see you bonding with your baby. Mm. And it's like, so now you're in this microscope, you know, and it is hard. And it's so interesting because when, when we think about attachments, attachment is not about it must be perfect. Don't ever mess up. Or like you said, day one, and you're already screwed for life. Yeah. <laughs> Attachment is about catch and repair. 
there are going to be moments when our attachment is is tested. I can remember when my 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 11-year-old now, when she was about four or five, she needed to get stitches, you know, and we did whatever we could to create an environment where she would feel the safest. It wasn't at the hospital, it was at the doctor's office. And my husband and I were both there and she's sitting on my lap and, you know, he's administering the lidocaine and she's just sitting there and he says something to her like, wow, you're amazing. I don't have adults who sit so well. And in that moment, she turned on the dime and was like, oh, I have an option here. And that was it. She didn't want him to go near her. And he's sitting there like pleading with her, like, you don't understand. Like, that was the hard part. Like, nothing is going to hurt after that. And she wouldn't let. She was just like her head was flashing back and forth. And my husband and I look at each other and we say, we don't want to take her to the hospital. You know, we think this will be better for her. The doctor says that, you know, I think we should, you know, papoose her. And we said, okay, right? It wasn't our first choice. Sure enough, this kid who is amazing and loving and spirited manages to get her leg through and kicks the doctor in the head. Mm. Just right in the head gets the surgeon. So now I'm holding her legs and my husband's holding, you know, her, her top. And she's sitting there just screaming, give me back my freedom. I want my freedom. Mm. So you can imagine this was an attachment injury. Yeah. You know, I mean, I slept her in bed with me, you know, just in case during the night she would need anything. And she wakes up at midnight and I look at her and I'm like, what do you need? And she goes, I'm still mad at you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, you know, and again, over the next couple of days, we talked about it. We explained it, why we couldn't leave this gash in your forehead, how mommy and daddy love you and needed to take care of you. Right. But again, it was an injury. Yeah. Catch and repair. That's what it's about. And it's important to talk about that because it's important to alleviate some of the pressure that new moms feel of, I got to get it perfect. You know, if, if, if I somehow do something like you were saying, I'm going to mess my baby up for life. No, you're not. At the end of the day, trying your best and being a loving, compassionate person really goes a long way. And we all either miss it in the moment or have things that we have to do. But if we can catch and repair along the way, that's what it's about. Therapists, we've all had that moment. You wake up in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh, did I do my notes? Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore when you use therapy notes. Therapy notes makes it easy to write your notes, get them done quickly, but thoroughly. My group practice has used therapy notes for six years and everyone always finds it easy to use. But the best thing is if you do need help, you can call their customer service number and a person answers the phone. And anytime I've ever had to use it, which is maybe three times in the past six years, my issue has been resolved easily with a cheerful demeanor in 15 minutes or less. So I highly recommend Therapy Notes. And don't forget, go to therapynotes.com and use promo code chat to get two free months. You know, I've learned now that basically it would be better to have some attachment disruption and repair than to have everything be perfect and never have Mm -hmm. a disruption, which couldn't happen anyway, that (laughs) ever have a disruption. But, you know, we always I think we feel like so we're failing when we have attachment disruptions. And but I think the intentionality trying, always trying. To stay connected is probably 
the most important thing. It's huge. And I'm so glad that you said that because you know what? It's in those moments of attachment disruption that we figure out what we're made of, that we develop resiliency that really serves us well in life. Like you said, it's unavoidable. So it's a moot point. But the child who never has those moments never gets to develop a true sense of independence. And again, wow, I'm a powerful person. I can really rely on myself. I have skills and assets that I bring to the table, which is an important progression in our identity development. Very much so. Laura, you're awesome. Just saying. (laughs) You too. Thanks. (laughs) So are there other aspects of the postpartum period that you think would be helpful for our listeners to learn about? Sure. Let's go back to that, right? So we started with this idea of the good, the bad, and the real, and this notion that everything is possible. Probably, I would add one other thing to that, where we talked about, you know, there's no one size fits all for women. And it's also the recognition that that birthing and non-birthing partners are also going to have their own journeys. And the more we can create space that my experience might be different than my partner's and that that's okay, and that I could support you where you are and you can support me where I am is really super helpful. It's an awareness of the impact of when our physical needs are not being met the same way, that it exacerbates the sense of irritability. And the more we can help people not take those little moments personal, but recognize it for the bigger picture of you're tired, I'm tired, this is really hard for both of us can be super helpful. And then I'm a big proponent of adding some anchors into the system so that, you know, more than trying to predict everything, and we could talk about some of those predictable pitfalls, you know, but that can we create some anchors in the system that just give us the latitude that whatever comes up, we can address this as a team and that we have those skills and that foundations to take things slowly, one day at a time and as it comes, and to remember that it's a transition, right? That this too shall pass, that this is temporary, is often such a cathartic thing for people to hear. One is, hey, I'm not alone. You're feeling it too. We're in it together. Oh, this is normal. So yes, this is normal. And it won't always be this way is really important. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think what you said about, you know, and I know in life, it's, it's much more important to be able to be flexible and adaptable to what comes and know that you're going to get through it and you're going to be okay and that you're not alone. You have support. But, you know, for so many of my clients who are trauma survivors, especially, Mm -hmm. you know, um, with their emotional needs in childhood really being overlooked, unmet, I think, you know, there's often this feeling of I am on my own and not even knowing how to let the partner be along with them, even if the partner wants to. Sure. So how, you know, I mean, that's kind of a big thing for me to bring up, but do you, do you have any insight into how people can navigate that? Sure. And it is a big thing to come up. Um, And one of the things that I recommend to my clients all the time that can be super helpful is taking the time to listen and understand your partner's backstory first and foremost, you know, so often we, we might talk about the ghosts in the nursery mm-hmm. and who are those lingering people that are getting superimposed in this discussion or argument that I'm having with my partner because it is triggering or tapping into something old and traumatic. And so the more 
we can talk and the more insight we have of why is this bothersome to you? Where is this coming from? It can be really helpful in then creating a lot of compassion and understanding from your partner and helping that partner not then personalize, you know, what's going on. So that's, that could be really helpful. Yeah. While you were talking, I was thinking how one of the hard things, I love when you said like, what is it about this? This is bothering you. I mean, I don't remember the exact words you used, but you know, why, what's coming up for you now? Because I think, and again, thinking to myself when I was in my twenties, but you know, so many people I see who are young couples who are getting engaged and then they become parents. There's still such a lack of knowledge and understanding in, mm-hmm. in the general public, in our culture about what trauma is and how it yeah. impacts us. So, you know, so often people don't identify as having any trauma or attachment issues. And they're like, my mom's my best friend and you know, my childhood was perfect. And then it all blows open when they become parents and, and they don't know why. So they don't even know what's going on to be able to say something's coming up for me and I need help here, you know? Right. Oh, absolutely. And thank you, because that absolutely did trigger what I was going to say, which is this notion of understanding has to precede advice. We're not going to get anywhere with conflict regulation or trying to navigate an argument if we don't first feel like our partner understands us and understands where we're coming from. And I think a big part of that is then being able to suspend in our mind, getting ready with our rebuttals of what we want to say back and really being able to focus on listening And it's this notion of until you can accurately reflect back and share with your partner what they had described, you're not ready to move into now what do we do with it or here's my great idea or this is why you're being unreasonable. Mm -hmm. It has to first come with a sense of understanding. And you're right. So often, you know what it is, and we see this even in how we describe feelings, how often do people describe feelings as, oh, that's a good feeling and that's a bad feeling? Right. Uncomfortable no feelings, unpleasant yes. feelings, negative emotions. Right. And, but there's a big distinction there because first and foremost, feelings are just feelings. Right. And all feelings are understandable, acceptable. We need a space for it. Normal, really, what natural. We're, right. So what are we really talking about? That's an uncomfortable feeling. And as a society, we have a hard time sitting in discomfort. We, we assume that, you know, something that's going wrong is a deviation from normal life. So how do I get back to happy? Right. I don't want to sit in that. that. That's not happy. But the truth is, is when we sit in that discomfort and we recognize we can tolerate it, we can handle it, we can do things to release it so we don't have to carry it around with us anymore. That's when we make a whole lot of progress. If, we, if there's a lot of stuff that we're carrying around in our, inside our system, it becomes this glorified game of whack-a-mole mm-hmm. where all of our energy is just going to keeping those moles down. And every time we try to get a handle on one, another one pops up. Mm-hmm. But if all of this energy is being, you know, kind of directed towards keeping inner stuff down, it's going to deprive your life force of what you have to give to that outside world and how much enjoyment you can experience in your day-to-day life, how much bandwidth you have for your partner or navigating a conversation or a hot button topic. Yeah. Or even for yourself or even for yourself, which is so huge. Absolutely. 
You see, that's where you were ahead of the game, Laura. You knew I have to think about me first. <laughs> and that is important, right? Just Can't give what we don't have. <laughs> oh, one person self-centered is another person's self-care. What do you mean? <laughs> true, true. <laughs> but yeah, but it does. It has to start with us. There's no question about that. You can't give what you don't have. If your batteries are depleted, you just, you can't, you just don't have it. Right. So right. that is definitely a priority. So Alyssa, how do you work with, I know you mentioned somatic experiencing and EMDR, but what does it look like the way you, in your practice, work with couples that are expecting and, and in the postpartum period? Sure. So ideally what I love for couples to do, and they can do it in a group setting, we could do it privately, or I do it virtually nationwide, is I love for all couples to take a workshop. And I'm actually working with a lot of the local midwives and OBs and, and you know birth practitioners here in California to try to make 28 weeks of pregnancy your postpartum check-in week. You know, it's so hard when we start to pick and choose, oh, I think you would do well with a postpartum prep class. Eh, you don't need it. Because that's when we tap into that mental health stigma of, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, what do they think is wrong with me? Right. But I, but my, my sense was, and this has become like my passion in life, if I can get the birth world to just unilaterally say at 28 weeks, you need to prepare for postpartum, then we bypass that stigma and we create a much greater opportunity to reach couples to get that information that they need. So ideally what I do is, is all couples take, you know, an after birth plan workshop. And that's what my workshop is called, right? Everyone has a birth plan, right? Not an after birth plan. So everyone takes a workshop and then should some bigger things come up or should, you know, we, t- we hit on something that couples say, Hey, we want to do a little bit more work around that. So then I work with them one-on-one part of the workshop. I always like to set up is a postpartum check-in. So within those first, you know, two, three weeks after they've had a baby, when we've taken all of this theoretical information and now it's really practical and pragmatic, like to check in, let's remember, let's come back, you know, to our different, you know, escalator skills and just get a sense of where they are. I often do a perinatal mood and anxiety disorder screening at that time also, see if there's anything concerning that we want to be more on top of. And then I work with couples, either again, individually, well, I work with individuals or people as couples postpartum to address whatever comes up in that time. Because like we said, having a baby can trigger a lot of old stuff in our system that we might have ignored, those almighty little things that become those giant matzo balls. (laughs) And for a lot of people, it's the first time that they're really motivated to address it because first of all, it's hitting them so much more deeply. Mm-hmm. But that feeling of like, I'm not just doing it for me now. So it doesn't feel selfish or self-indulgent. Mm. But now I'm doing it for me and my baby. And, you know, and so then we just, we take things as they come. But really working on time limited, identifying the trauma, working it through, helping return you to a really happy phase of life. That's the model. Sounds amazing. Wow, you're so sweet. Thank you. So I have to ask just out of curiosity. So is your husband a a physician or is he a psychologist therapist as well? So he is actually a prenatal and postpartum chiropractor. Oh, nice. Yeah, absolutely. Pregnancy does not have to be uncomfortable. And there's a lot of things that he has cultivated himself to help, to help naturally help a breech baby get into the proper position. A lot of labor preparation to truncate 
you know, the labor and delivery duration. That's very cool. I'm all about the holistic perspective. And my associate, one of my associates in my practice, TJ, shout out, because she'll probably listen to this. She, um, <laughs> she's Her dream is to have a, a pregnancy and postpartum center. So I think she's going to love listening to what you do. Yeah, tell her to come here. My, my husband and I always joked, right, when we were in graduate school back in the day, that one day we would open a center called a shrink and a quack. So <laughs> here we are. Is that the name of your practice? <laughs> it, it isn't. It really isn't, although it should be. No, we, we are the that's Berlin the Wellness subtitle. Center. Exactly. That, that's the private joke. You have to be in the know to know that. <laughs> well, Alyssa, can you tell our audience where they can find you? Because I'm sure some people are going to be interested in possibly working with you virtually or people who are in your area, certainly that would want to work with you in person. You're so awesome. Yeah, you can totally find us on the web, www.drberlin.com. Of course, we made it complicated. So it's D-O-C-T-O-R berlin.com, um, mm, not okay. D-R. And you can, right, good to know. You could also find me on Instagram, either the afterbirth plan or Dr. Alyssa Berlin. And I'm looking forward to seeing you there. Yeah, that's where you and I met. Absolutely, right? Going back to our roots. <laughs> Alyssa, thanks so much for being my guest on Therapy Chat today. Oh, Laura, you're amazing. It was so my pleasure. Hope you enjoyed listening to my interview with Dr. Alyssa Berlin. I think that what much too little emphasis is placed on what it's going to mean for each individual and the couple when they become parents and when a new child joins the family. So I thought that this was a really interesting conversation and I'm grateful for what she shared. Hope you enjoyed it too. Until next time, thanks for listening to Therapy Chat. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Just another reminder that if you'd like to become a member of Therapy Chat, supporting the podcast while receiving fun member perks and being able to communicate with me one-on-one, go to patreon.com slash therapy chat. If every subscriber donated just $1 per month, therapy chat would be able to keep going strong indefinitely. Thanks so much for your support. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com. 